Everybody say it's good to see you today. Amen. Amen. I can see even better now that I got the glasses. Amen. Before we dismiss our children and our teachers, uh, we uh, talking about deliverance and talking about how God has picked our picked us up and turned us around and put our feet on solid ground and how God is so good to us. Uh, this morning, Sister Alicia just want to take a moment, just thank God for what He's done for her. He's really done a great work in her life and really uh, been a blessing to her. So I don't see her. She's in here somewhere. I've lost her. So there she is. Come on up here, right? Amen. Those of you that, I'm not going to give a whole lot of her testimony because she's going to give it to you here in just a second. But I can remember a time when she barely could walk in here and she was pulling an oxygen bottle with her. And God has done amazing things in her life.
in her despair with it that she just didn't understand, right? Why she was going through what she's going through. But God did have a plan, amen. amen. And uh, here she is today, and it's amazing the transformation that's taking place in her life, not just physically, but spiritually as well. So just awesome. Absolutely awesome. I want the church too, if you would remember uh, somebody that Pastor Keith and myself and Brother Ron got to meet for the very first time this morning. His name is Timothy Phillips. And uh, he was just walking down the street and uh, just in a lot of despair this morning. And he looked up this way. And I know we pick on Brother Ron all the time for being here early. And Brother Ron will be here like at 1 in the morning for church service at 10. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He'll be here that early in the morning. And so we always told him that's all right. He's just a security guard, right, as long as it was okay with his family and as long as he felt like he'd be safe up here. But because he was sitting in that foyer this morning, a fellow walked by in, in the despair of his life and really broken in his life. And he looked up and he saw a light on here in the social hall or in the, uh, uh, the uh, foyer. And he happened to see Brother Ron sitting there. And he turned and he came and he spoke to Brother Ron and he was hungry. Now I'm going to show you how God works. So last night, Brother Ron was able to attend our Thanksgiving dinner. So his, his sweet family, his daughter, made him some food and put it in a put it in a to-go plate, stuck in the refrigerator for Ron to get today when he came to take home and eat with him. I said, Well, Brother Ron, God, God made that food for you to give away. And this fellow's extremely hungry. And Brother Ron said, Would you like something to eat? Brother Ron remembered his plate in there and he got it and put it in the microwave and he fed it. Amen. And that's what it's all about. opportunity to give him his testimony. This fellow's at the end of his life. Obviously, his tears in his eyes when Pastor Keith and I got to meet him. And absolutely broken. But Brother Ron gave his testimony to him. And, and I told him, I said, see, it's never too late. Because he kept saying to me, I've made a mess of my life. I said, Brother Ron, when were you saved? Brother Ron was about 67 years old when he gave his heart to the Lord. This little fellow's 37. And I said, did you hear what Brother Ron told you about his life? He said, I did. I said, Brother Ron done a lot of things, that some of the same things you've done. And I'm sure in his life, he probably didn't think there was hope either. But here he sits today, and there's hope in Christ. Amen. And so Brother Ron prayed for him. Pastor Keith prayed for him. I prayed for him. We prayed for him again when we got him down there. And uh, we took him to Pathway House. And um, hopefully it's to begin the start of a new life for him. So remember Tim Tiller. That's how God works, right? That's how he works. So. Never make fun of you being early again, Brother Ron. <laughs> God's got a plan. You just keep on being Timothy. Amen. If you have your Bible again, John chapter 14, <clears throat> we're going to be uh, here starting in verse 12. The title of the message God's laid in my heart. This is one that I think always intrigues a lot of people. But I want it to be more than just an intriguing to us. I want it to be something that you can experience, right? I don't want you to just be intrigued by what you hear today and by the Word of God, but I want you to experience this. I truly believe this is the difference between the church of today and the church that set in motion in the book of Acts. Amen? I really do believe that. Not that there's not pockets of, of power that does, that does go on in churches, but the difference between today's church and that church, again, is this right here today. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24 and verse, verse uh, 49, Jesus said, Behold, I, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Then he says, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you comfortless, the King James says. But he said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the promise. 
Jesus, when he makes a promise, he keeps it. Amen. Amen. Not like us. A lot of times we make promises. Let me back up. I don't know about you, but I've made a lot of promises in my life and my intentions are good, but sometimes I don't follow through with my promises for various reasons, and they're just reasons and excuses. But the reality is I don't follow through with them. But Jesus will always follow through with his promises. So when Jesus looked at his apostles, the disciples, those of the day that were around that day, when he said to them, I'm going to pray to the Father that he sends you the Comforter, then they knew that that was going to happen. Amen? There was no doubt in their minds because everything Jesus told them happened. So this was what he said, this promise. And so the promise that he spoke of was the power of the Holy Ghost, right? The Spirit of God. A lot of churches, they don't want to say Holy Ghost, they want to say Holy Spirit. Now the Bible does make mention of both Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, but I don't want you to be confused. They are the same. They are the same. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, are the same. Jesus said in the King James that He was going to send, that this Holy Ghost was going to come upon them when they would be tarrying there in Jerusalem. It would happen. So what I want you to see today is there's the Creator, there is the Christ, and there is the Comforter. Amen? See to the third power. Okay? The comfort of the Christ and, the, and, the, and, and of course, the Creator. God is the Creator of all things. Christ is the Redeemer of our sins. And the Comforter is the power by which we overcome the enemy. That's it. Okay? That's what he's talking Those three in one become the Godhead or the Trinity that you and I know about today. Let me read to you further in Acts chapter 14 here. We're going to start in, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4 through 5. And we'll get into this message. And being assembled together with them, speaking of Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Not many days from now. That was the promise that Jesus gave to them, that they should go into Jerusalem and tarry there and wait till that power is placed upon them. I don't think it's by any, any stretch of the imagination that any of us believe, if you read back in the New Testament, prior to the, to the experience of the promise coming to the children of Israel, to especially the 120 in that room that day, in the upper room, that was a different church prior to that experience, and it was a whole other church after the experience. Amen? If you go back and read what took place up until that point, there were some amazing things that happened that did take place through those apostles and through the disciples as Jesus was walking with them and as He was talking to them. But after that experience in the upper room in the book of Acts, after Jesus had ascended to be with His Father, He was now gone. And they were now feeling, they were feeling hopeless, right? And they felt like they'd been abandoned. And Jesus told them, I'm not going to abandon you and I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you a comfort that will walk with you and be with you. In fact, in order to walk with you and be with you, He's going to abide and reside in you. Amen? And not just upon you, but in you. Once that took place in the book of Acts, the church changed. It changed for the better, right? You remember Jesus talked to them about that. He told them that the things that they saw were amazing. The things that they saw were just outstanding and they were wonderful. But He told them that when He goes away, he said, the things that you're going to see and the things that you're going to do are going to be far greater than these things. Far greater. He said, I must need to go. I must go away in order for this comfort to come, this power to come. The transformation of the church was about to take place. So, 
God is our creator. Jesus is the redeemer of our sins. But the Holy Ghost is that power that we need that he talks about in his word to tread on serpents, to cast out demons, right? To, if you were to drink anything that was poisonous, eat anything that was bad, it wouldn't harm you. Now, he didn't say go over and pick up them snakes and love on them. He didn't say go drink cyanide, right? He, just, he said don't tempt the Lord thy God. He just said that you'll have the power and the authority to cast those things away, right? That they would not harm you. To carry out the plan of God on this world like he had intended it to be. So we see this taking place here in the book of Acts where this promise was promised. If you look back in the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost has always been, right? When you talk about the anointing of God, that's what he's talking about, right? So in the Old Testament, he had prophets that would call kings, right, to them. And God would say, I want you to go anoint them that they will, that they will have this power to do what I've asked them to do. So the anointing that the, that the prophets did during that day was a type and shadow of that same promise that was coming later. It was God's favor, it was God's blessing, it was God's power put upon those kings to carry out the work that God intended for them to carry out. The difference is that was a, an anointing that was placed upon them. Okay? The difference now in the New Testament is it's not placed just upon us, it's in us. Right? The Bible teaches us that, that, that the Holy Ghost will not only reside on us, but He will reside in us. Right? This is why it's important for us to ask God to forgive us of our sins, to be cleansed of our sins. Right? And that's what we call sanctification. Right? We're cleansed of our sins. That God would cleanse us of all those things. In essence, to do as the New Testament says, right? as Jesus went in and He did what? Cleaned out the temple. To make sure that it is clean. Because that is a house of prayer, He told us. a house of worship. This is His Father's house. As we talked about last week, this is the tabernacle of God. This is the temple of God. This is where He wants to reside. His presence. Okay? So the Holy Ghost is that comforter that wants to abide and reside in our lives that to, to lead us, guide us, teach us into all things. Right? See, the Holy Ghost, as we're going to learn here in just a few minutes, is not just about speaking in tongues. There's so much more to the Holy Ghost than just that. Although that is evidence that the Holy Ghost is there. It is for sure. But it's so much more than that. Right? It is the power to overcome. It's, it's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that's encompassed in the Spirit of God, right? And He teaches us that in His Word. There's things like the sermon. There's things like all these things that come along with the power of God. Okay? So that's important for us to understand. So He's talking to them about that. That's what I want to talk to you and I about today. See, what gave power to Superman, what made Superman super, was the covering, right? Clark Kent was just Clark Kent until he put on in tights, amen, right? It's the covering that made Superman super. What made Wonder Woman wonderful was the covering, right? Remember she had to spin around and do all that, right? And all of a sudden she would have on all that attire she had on. That's what made her wonderful was the, the, that, that covering, what makes the church today wonderful and powerful is the covering. Amen. It is the covering of God. It is the absolute anointing of God upon us. Imagine David as he stood there and the prophet stood before him and he began to pour that oil upon David and he was carrying out God's plan. David was chosen by God to lead his people and he would need the anointing, the power of God to do so. And imagine that anointing that day. You've heard me say before, it's not just a little dab will do you on your head like we do today. 
Because Lord knows we don't want to mess up $80 hairdo, right? Or whatever's going on. Or those nice clothes that we got that cost too much money. Don't be pouring oil all over me. I'll never get that stuff out. But back in that day, they would pour a horn of oil out on you, right? The entire thing. And it would just coat you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And it would cover you. And what it was showing was God's anointing covering you. His full anointing, not a partial anointing. What happened in the upper room that day was God's full anointing being poured out on the children of God. Amen? Not a partial anointing, a full anointing poured out on the children of God that day. See, Jesus told them, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to go back with my Father, but I'm going to send you a comforter and He's going to take care of you and He's going to teach you all things and lead you and give you that power that you need to overcome. That was the promise. And so that's what happens when you and I seek God. We seek God, right, for forgiveness. And when we do that, we're forgiven by the power of the blood of Christ, who is the sacrificial lamb for us, and then the power. Amen? Amen. Three definite things that take place. Okay? Understand that. It's important for the church today to know that there is power in this promise of the Holy Ghost. It's not taught much in the world today anymore. Uh, we stay away from the power of the Holy Ghost because we don't understand it. Amen? The reason that most churches don't talk about the Holy Ghost anymore is because they don't understand it. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know what to do with the Holy Ghost once He manifests Himself. Once He makes Himself known, most churches don't know how to deal with it. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be alright. Y'all look a little nervous. Amen? Ain't nothing to worry about, right? It's promised by God. Part of the Godhead, it's part of the Trinity. And it's that power that we need. But because we don't understand it, because we're scared of it, because we don't know how to we don't know how to deal with it, right? If the Holy Ghost breaks out of the service and across America today in some services, they don't know what to do. People leave, people get back to the preacher. I know of a pastor who was approached by his congregation and was told, You gotta to do something with that person. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to get them under control. And he went and spoke to them and told them they're not going to be, they can't do those things in church. And I thought, dear God, <laughs> one, that's deadly and dangerous. Number two, we should not quench the Spirit of God. And number three, the very thing that you're talking about, praying about, Every single day is, Lord, come. We need more of you. Come, bless our service. Come, bless us, God. We need this. We need power to change the world, God. You got it. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. He's already sent the power. We just got to go receive it. We got to plug into it, right? We don't need to turn him away. We need to accept him. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about people in here in among themselves and running around and acting crazy and there's no more Holy Ghost in them and there isn't this pulpit right here. But I'm talking about truly seeking God, right? You have to truly seek God first and foremost and recognize that He's God, right? And recognize that we're just creation that was created by Him and that because we live in a sinful world that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and that we've all failed. See, a lot of people don't preach the Holy Ghost anymore because they don't preach you've got to be saved first to receive it. The gift of God is given to those who are in, in position to receive it. Right. You with me? It's kind of like the children. If you tell them, I'll give you $10, well, $40 to cut the grass, <laughs> 50 whatever it is today, right? I'm a little out of tune. But if it's $50, I'll give you $50 to cut grass. Don't you give them that $50 first. 
Because you may not ever get the grass cut. In fact, there's a good chance you won't. You'll be cutting the grass and out of $50. Okay? You give them the gift once they have done what you have asked them to do. God's no different. Right? God says, look, believe in me. Accept my son Jesus who died for your sins. You are a sinner. And ask him, ask him, ask me to forgive you of your sins. And I will apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life. And you'll be forgiven of your sins. Okay? Get all that under the blood. Everything under the blood. Then you're in a position to receive the gift that was promised. It's very interesting here that he did not promise the gift to people that were not saved. These were followers of Christ. These were Christians. True Christians. Who had forsaken all. Turned away from everything. And they had given everything to Christ. These 120 in the room, you can rest assured, every one of them were who they said they were in Christ. How do you know that, preacher? Because every one of them were baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that in the book of Acts. That the power fell upon all of them. Okay? And then from there, they did marvelous things. From there, you saw Peter stand and preach the gospel immediately to those who had just crucified Christ not too long ago. The boldness of the Holy Ghost is what gave Peter the ability to do that. He didn't see that with Peter prior to that. Now, he was a redhead. He was hot-headed. He was a loudmouth from time to time. But you never saw that. Okay? When that took place. After that, you saw 5,000 people saved at one time. 3,000 people saved at one time. Right? There were people who were, who, were, who, were, who were lame that were sitting there. And shadows were cast upon them off these men. And they stood to their feet and they were healed. There was power that came from them, Brother Ron. And that power was this promise that I want to talk to you about today. Each one of us in the church today should be seeking more of God. Amen? Amen. We should be seeking more of Him. See, being saved is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. That is a qualification to get to heaven. But there's more to God than just being saved. There's more than that to Him. He's so much more vast. There's a whole lot more. We can continue to seek God and He will reveal more and more and more to us. More and more to us. If you want more of God, seek Him more. Don't question Him more. Amen? Now I'm not saying we shouldn't ask God questions, but we shouldn't be wanting to debate with God. He's God. Some things you and I just aren't going to understand. Sometimes it's better to just trust God and who else better to trust than God? He's the creator of the world. He's the one that gave you the breath to breathe this morning. He's the one that brought us in. He's the one that's blessed you with everything that you have. God is in control. Contrary to what you and I may think about the world today, it may be going to hell in a handbasket, but God's got it where he wants it. I promise you. He's still in control. So who better to trust than him? When you don't understand, just trust him. Isn't that what faith is? If you and I could figure everything out, then there wouldn't be faith. It would be reasoning. Come on, somebody. If you could figure everything out, would you need God? No. Right? If you could figure it out, you, just, you would just tell yourself, well, I have reasoned that out. Some things we're not going to understand because He wants us to experience them. And when you experience it, you'll understand it. Amen? You with me? That's part of what that draw is, right? We, we don't understand Him. But we know that He loves us and we trust Him that everything that He said in His Word would happen. He said, all good and perfect gifts come down from the Father above. 
So we know that all good things come from Him. So why not just trust Him? If you can trust Him with your soul, why can't you trust Him with more? Amen? Trust Him with more. So much today, we're all about trying to... I don't know. I think we try to... In our own minds, we think sometimes we know what's best for us more so than God. And we know the Scriptures better than He does. Have you ever talked to somebody and they just argue, argue you down in defiance? You can read the Scripture to them and they still are going to argue with you that they know what it's saying. And no, 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 that ain't what it says. It says this. Well, that may be okay and they may be right. But I'm going to stick with what He said. Amen? Because what it says is truthful. What you say is your opinion. What I say is my opinion. That's why it's important for us as children of God to say it is written. Amen? And read it. And I'm not saying we got to word for word everything, because unless i got the Bible in my hand, there's some things I just can't remember every hand but nor. But the essence of it I'm going to get. Okay? And you should too. And I've been guilty a lot of times of saying, well, let me tell you what I believe. And then God checks me and goes, it ain't about what you believe. It's about what he says. Okay? So with all that being said, let's take a look at this promise. So the promise is simply <coughs> power. That's it. Power, comfort, understanding, teaching, guide, all those things. This is what he promised. In John chapter 14, verse 12 through 18, let's read this and we'll dive into it a little bit more. Verily, verily, Jesus said, and this means of a truth of a truth. Anytime you see Jesus, say verily, verily. Pay close attention. Pay strict attention. Because what he's about to say to you is extremely important. Right? He not only says, is it truth? But he says, it's truth backed up with truth. Verily, verily. Of, of all importance, of all truth, Jesus said, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, as I was saying to you earlier. And what greater works than these shall he do? Why? Because I go unto my Father. Now that don't make sense to us. He said, if you believe in me and the works that I shall do, greater works are you going to do. And why is that? Because I'm going to leave you. <laughs> that makes no sense to us. Can you see why the disciples were so confused and downtrodden and brokenhearted? Jesus said, you're going to do greater things, but I'll believe you. And in their mind, they're like, how's that possible? you got to give them credit. They understood that there was no power in them. It was in Jesus. It was in God, right? They understood that the only power and authority they had was in Him. Satan only moves at the, at, the, at the authority of Christ. He doesn't move under the authority of Mark. Don't you try walking up to somebody saying, in the name of Kevin? Because he ain't going to move you know, don't say in the name of Mark or Keith or, or Ashley. Although I'm actually she's beautiful. He might move. His heart will be moved anyway. He won't move with the name of a human being, only at the name of Christ. So they understood that, right? So they were confused as to how are greater things going to happen if you're going to leave us. God, that's an oxymoron. How can that be? Right? And so Jesus says this to them, and he goes on in verse 13 and said, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything, in verse 14, in my name, I'm going to do it, he said. Now, I want you to highlight that because so many of us live beneath that blessing right there. He said, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, again, as long as it matches up with his Father's plan. Now, don't be going to ask him about letting me get the lottery, God. 
right? He said, I'll do it for you. If you love me, keep my commandments. Not just the Ten Commandments, all of them. Had the disciples, the apostles, that 120, not lived, loved Jesus, not listened to him, and never went to, the, to Jerusalem and tarried, meaning wait, and not waited on him, they would have never received the promise. They had to love him enough to listen to his command and do what he asked them to do, or do what he commanded them to do, in order for them to receive this promise. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another what? Comforter. That's a capital C. This is a specific person, place, or thing. This is, this is, a, this is a, um, a, an important part of this scripture not to be overlooked. It's talking about this specific comforter, meaning the gift that he promised them. That he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, Jesus said, whom the world cannot receive. Remember I told you, if you in sin, you can't receive this promise. Because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be where? In you. In you. The Holy Ghost is not just going to come upon you. He is going to dwell in you. Amen? The anointing of God is not just upon a child of God. It is in a child of God. Amen? There is an anointing that God gives to people to speak, to do something right, that is placed upon us. But there is an anointing that is deep-seated in us, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The promise that God spoke of. That He told them, John baptized you in water, but He said, I'm going to baptize you what? In the Spirit. Okay? So this is what He's talking about. As I said, the difference between the church of this day and the church, the first church established at Christ's ascension is the power, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, the comforter. There was a transformation and completeness once the Holy Ghost had been given and received. Amen? This was the transformation of the church. This was the difference. This is where it all took place. For us today, you know, we think about the book of Acts. I think about it often. How it talks about we're going to see greater things. You've heard me say this just a few weeks ago. Greater things than the former church. Now the former church that he's talking about is not just in the Old Testament with Moses and Jacob and Joshua. The former church is the former church in the book of Acts as well. Now there were some great things that happened in times past. We all live, love to live in times past, right? Sometimes. At least the good part of them. We don't want to remember the bad part naturally. But in times past, in fact, the church has been guilty of living in the past. We've been guilty of living on the blessings of the former church. We've been guilty of living on some of the things that we've heard of and seen and experienced years and years ago. But we don't have to just live on past experiences. We can have experiences now in God. Amen? Not that we should be seeking signs and wonders all the time. The signs and wonders should be following children of God. Amen? They should be. And what the difference again is, is this is the Holy Ghost. The power, the fire, the excitement right of the Holy Ghost. Now this is why you've also heard me say before, how I don't understand how people can be so docile or, or so almost dead-like when it comes to God. The church of Sardis in the, in the book of Revelation is known as the powerless church or the dead church. Right? Because he said, 
I hear there's a noise, there's, there's been noise about you that you're a lively bunch. But you are a dead church. Now what did he mean by that? Dead meaning there's no fire, there's no passion. There's no spirit in us, right? There's that, there's that you know, we, we go through the motions, but we're missing something. A lot of churches today, when you walk in those churches, you can walk in them, and there's wonderful music, there's wonderful praying, there's wonderful preaching. It looks nice, there's a lot of money spent on it, there's an awful lot of things taking place. But when you walk out, you just feel like it's just, it, it was missing something. Is that right? And the reason for that is, is because it is. Right? When you walk in the, the modern church, modern men, meaning after the death and resurrection of Christ, the modern church started then, right, in the book of Acts. He set the church in motion then. The church as we know it, this side, right, of his ascension. That church, right, that, that church was, was excitable because the fire and the passion of the Holy Ghost, God was in them, right, and they were fanning those flames. And because of it, the Bible says, they were turning the town upside down for the glory of God. So much so that the church of the day and the government of the day sought to try to stop them because these people, they said, these people are speaking doctrines we've never heard. Amen. Amen. They're speaking the truth. They're speaking the word. And the church was having a tough time with it, just like this pastor I told you about. Somebody received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this church, but well, that ain't supposed to happen. And they didn't know what to do with it, so they figured, like, well, we must have got to stop it. You do not have to stop or leave. What a terrible thing to ask God to leave. Right? Man, where there's a little fire, there's hope. Amen? There's hope. And a lot of our churches are dead churches because we're not fully seeking out everything of God in His blessings. We're being content, right, with getting the first base, if you will, and never going any further. We're content with just a single rather than a home run. We're content sometimes to just, to just have, have clothes on but not to be clothed in the Holy Ghost. The fullness of God. Amen? When's the last time you heard somebody talk about the fullness of God? When you talk about the fullness of God, he's talking about the fullness of God. Everything about Him. Everything about Him. Amen? That's the difference in that church and this church today. But there's hope because the Bible teaches us that that latter church, as I said, is going to see greater things. In order for us to see greater things, then there's going to be a greater move of God in our services, in our lives, right? There's going to be a greater outpouring of what? The Holy Ghost. When you hear when the, in the Bible it talks about God opening the windows of heaven, we're always thinking about He's opening the windows of heaven if you're me and donuts are falling. Right? We're thinking about blessings, right? Whatever your blessing is to me, I have to think about donuts. Okay, but your blessing, whatever it is, we think about him giving me more money. We think about him giving me better health. We think about him giving me a better job. We think about him giving me a better, a better wife or husband or a wife or husband. We think about so many things when we think about the blessings of God. But make no mistake about it, the blessings of God are his son and the fullness of God is through the Holy Ghost. If we get the fullness of God in our lives, all other things are added unto us. Right? When he talks about opening the windows of heaven and pouring out on us his blessings that we cannot contain, Holy Ghost. Amen? That was a promise. That was the blessing that God said, or that Christ said, was coming your way. And that's coming my way. Was this gift. There's no better gift than that. Because this gift puts us in a position 
to carry out the work of the Lord. And if we're carrying out the work of the Lord, He's going to bless us with everything else. Right? We should be seeking the fullness of God, not the fullness of our covenants. Amen. We should be seeking the fullness of God, not the fullness of our bank account. Right? The fullness of God, not the fullness of our stomachs, not the fullness of our health. Right? Those are things we think about fullness. We think about being full with our families, full with this and full with that. But what God's talking about is the fullness of Him. Amen? The fullness of Him. So this is what He's talking to them about. And He said to them that you're going to do these marvelous things, but it's because of this Jesus, or this comforter rather, that Jesus prayed would be sending your way. That's the transformation of the church. We saw in the book of Acts, and we're going to see it rekindled in the church of this day, where we live today. There is going to be an outpouring of the presence of God. It's coming. But it comes to those who are hungry for more of Him. we got to get this. We got to, That's why He talks about being transformed by the renewal of your mind. I know He's talking about salvation there, but it's far greater than just salvation there. The transforming of our mind means how we think and how we believe and what we listen to in this world today. Contrary to belief, there is more to God than just what you and I see sometimes and what we're taught. There's way more to God. And the only way to find it is to dig in and dive more into Him and seek Him more. So I want to take you to, book, to the book of Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. We're going to read this here just a second. But, if, but again, if there's ever been a time when you and I seek God more, it should be today. I mean, there's so much confusion out there today on what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. Is this okay? Is that okay? So many different philosophies and philosophers and, and prognosticators and all that mess that's going on out there, right? That's got everybody confused. Everybody wants to be the biblical scholar. Everybody wants to do all these things. When we just simply need to take it back to right here, right? Just, just right here. Start with working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, let, let's start there first. And, and, and get our lives where we need to be, get ourselves in tune to be able to see God for what He truly is and what He's trying to show us. Be careful that we don't get so caught up in these little snares around us that you, that you miss the entire point of what God's trying to show you. And what I want to show you today is, is there is power in God. There really is. And this is a church that still believes in that power, that still believes in the Holy Ghost, that still believes in the manifestation of His presence. Amen? We still do. Look at your neighbor. If you did not know that, say, we do. We do. This is one of the churches. If it's your first day here, we're glad you're here. But look, you're liable to hear somebody speak in tongues. You're liable to see somebody run. I mean, you're liable to see somebody healed. You're liable to see some things here. Praise God for it. Amen? Praise God for it. We need to see more of it. Don't run from it. Hang around and run to it. Amen? Run to it. It's good. So, he's telling them this. This is the promise that Jesus told them about. He said, guys, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. You're going to see great things. You're going to do great things. In fact, you're going to do greater things once I've left you. And it's going to be because I'm sending this comforter who's going to not just abide with you, but he's going to abide in you. God walked with them in the Old Testament. Jesus walked with them here at the beginning of the New Testament. And the Holy Ghost indwells in us the New Testament church. God. God's always been with us. Always. The difference is now He abides within. Amen? He abides within. 
which makes us powerful. Amen? This is why the enemy can't handle us. If you've got the Holy Ghost in your life, he can't handle you. He can't handle you. He don't know what to do. It's almost like that pastor of that church. They didn't know what to do with them. <coughs> right? They don't know what to do. You can't stop them. You can't make them quit. They're going to do what they're going to do because God's in control. Amen? Not man. God is. And if man's in control, Satan can control you. If you're in control of your own life, Satan can control you very easily. Amen? Because he's more powerful than you and I. But if God's in control of your life, he can't control you. Unless you give him control. But he can't control you. See, this is why I heard a famous pastor one time say that when he got up in the morning, he wanted hell to go on red alert. If you get up in the morning and you're not and you don't and you don't have God abiding, hell don't go on red alert. They get excited. Amen? Because here's somebody we can destroy. But if you've got God in your heart and you're saved and you're ready, imagine if you're plugged in and have the fullness of God in you, they don't know what to do with you. Let me just go ahead and tell you this. Satan and the third of heaven's angels fell with him on that day when they rebelled against God. Is that correct according to the Bible? Do you know that Satan and the third of heaven's angels can't do anything with one child of God as long as we're standing in Christ? Zero. Zero. There's no power or authority. He tells us that, right? What is able to separate you from my love? He tells us that in Corinthians. What can separate us? Look at Corinthians. What can separate you from my love? He goes on to name those things. And I believe one of them he names is what I just told you. Nothing can separate us from God except us. Right? Nothing. So it's important for the church to be in the fullness of God. Can you see that? So important. When your family member, right, is demon-possessed and you're full of God, you have the authority to command it to leave. Amen? If you're sick, you have the authority to cast that sickness out and that healing can take place in Christ's name. Amen? And if it's His will, you with me? If you, if you are fully vested in God, everything that's in this Bible is now at your disposal. You believe that? Every bit of it. Everything. What did Jesus say? Whatever you ask in my name. He said, I will approach the Father and He's going to do what? Do it. Right? Nike didn't come up with that slogan. God did. <laughs> God's been saying that from the beginning of time. Just do it. Just do it. Just believe. Just repent. Just receive. Amen? Yes. Just believe in God. Just repent to Jesus of your sins. Just receive the promise of the Holy Ghost. Just do it. Isn't that right? He's been saying it for years since the beginning of time. They ought to have to pay him the copyright. <laughs> so let's look here in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4. I want you to see this. Now these were not just characters that were conjured up by men of old. These aren't, this isn't really, this isn't Marvel that put these together like Superman and Wonder Woman that we talked about. These are real people. I mean, these are real people, flesh and blood that you can touch. Real people. Ordinary, common people. Right? Remember, some of these were thieves. Some of these prostitutes. Some of these, I mean, just not so good people. Just common. Fishermen. Right? Tax collectors. I mean, they just had jobs like you and I. Luke was a doctor. 
Okay, so these, these were just normal, everyday people that believed in God, repented of their sins, and received Christ as the Messiah, the Son of God. And here they are now in this upper room, tearing, waiting upon the promise that Jesus had promised that he would ask the Father to send. Normal people. Up there in that room. You're, the person in this room that's sitting beside you and in front of you is normal. Look at it. That's as normal as it gets. <laughs> Amen? I mean, we're all normal. Isn't that special about us? We're just normal people. Right? All of us are just normal. Some of us may think we're more special than we're not, but it's normal. Amen. So here they are in that room. All of those different people that we just talked about. All saved by grace. All walks of life. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We talked about that, right? The one accord was, we're going to go wait on the promise. We're here for the promise. We're here for the promise. Amen? One accord. We're in one place waiting on the promise. Waiting on God. Did you know that every one of us, when we come to the house of worship, this is not the church, this is the house of worship and prayer, you're the church. When we come into the house of worship, we come in here hopefully in one accord. And that one accord should be what? Waiting on the Father. Waiting on the promise. Waiting on the outpouring. We should be worshiping in our, in our affection to see the Father. When you go to your mother and father's home, do you go to see the dog or do you see your mom and don't ask me? Well, we better back up. <laughs> some, some of y'all might like to talk with your mom and your dad. But you're supposed to go, if you go to visit somebody, you're going to see that person. Is that right? You have one mind, one accord, we're going to go see Sister Jack. Right? When I get there, I intend to see Sister Jack. Is that right? If I get there and I don't see Sister Jack and I see Brother Keith, I'm confused. <laughs> really? Right? But we're going with one mind to go see Sister Jack. But when we come to the house of God, we're really here with one mind and one accord, and that is to see God. To hear God. To listen to God. Right? We're here for Him, and we're here to worship Him. This is what was happening in the upper room. They went in one accord in worship because obedience is worship. Here they found themselves in this upper room together waiting on the promise. Now you've heard me say this before. i got to believe, I, 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 don't, I just got to believe that they weren't sitting around talking about him game cops whooping that behind every weekend. Now, I don't think they were. Not if there's anything wrong with that. Except, except unless your brother Randy. That's hard to Randy. I need to look at it. I love it. I'm not a Gamecock fan. But anyway, they weren't doing that. And they, and they weren't, I don't believe they were in there, you know, talking about, you know, the concert from last night or talking about, you know, how bad our government is, right? And we all do those. I'm not saying that that's wrong, right? We fellowship each other. But their mindset in this room that day was on the promise. It came straight from the mouth of Jesus. He said, I'm, I'm going to send you this comfort. I want you to go in that room and wait until you receive it. They immediately with haste. I don't believe there was a lot of arguing. I don't believe there was a lot of 
think I'm going to stop by the 7-Eleven first. I don't believe there was a lot of that stuff, right? I need to give me some popcorn and some M&Ms so I can sit there and wait, right? I got to believe when they, when they were told this and that time came, they were making tracks to the upper room. They were headed to Jerusalem because they had been told, get there for the promise is coming. Amen. Right? And when Jesus tells you that, or when God tells you something, that's why we should respond. Do not hesitate. Amen? Because when he says, get there, he means get there. Because it's coming. Right? When you feel God saying, get up and go to church, don't wrestle with him. Right? Go. There's a reason to tell you to go. Amen? Whatever he's telling you to do, do it because he has something great coming your way. That's not the time to worry about how I look, how I feel, right? What people are going to think. It's not the time to, to say, well, I don't know, it's just not the right time. You know, I'm going to watch a game. i got to go shopping. I gotta... It's not the time to do that. When Jesus says, go, I have something great coming your way, get there, right? Because it's far better than anything this world has to offer. I they knew that. And so they ran that way. Why did they know that? Because they had a relationship with him, and they saw him do these things. If we are who we say we are as children of God, we know these things are true because we've seen God do great things in our lives. Right? So rather than argue with him, let's just go do it. Right? So here they are in this one place, a gathered together in one accord, waiting on the promise. You've heard me say this before. Can you imagine every time they heard the wind blow and the door move just a little bit, I believe all eyes hit the door. <laughs> Is this it? Right? Anybody ever been told by your mama, go to your room and wait on your daddy to get home? <laughs> I did. My mama went me and then she told me to go, go in my room and wait for my daddy to come talk to me again. That wasn't good at all. And he didn't get home for hours. You talking about torture. Kids talk about how bad parents are to them now. You don't know. Now it was a torture waiting, but it was torture when it came. Right? But I remember sitting there as a young kid, every time I heard somebody walking in the hall, I thought, is this it? And I would just sit there looking at the door. Right? And I was praying as a little, little boy. Don't let him kill me. Right? And I was repenting about what I'd done wrong. And when that had happened, there was a sigh of relief. And then, but every time I heard a pop or creak or whatever it was, I knew that was him coming. And when I heard when I, when I heard it, the door the doorknob turned, I could see it moving. I knew it was trouble, right? Because it was here, right? So I got to imagine these 120 were no different. Every time they heard something, felt something, right? That the ground moved, the floor creaked, whatever happened, man, they were locked in because they were in one accord, looking for the promise. They had no idea what it would look like, how it would come, what it was about, none of those things. So all they knew was. This promise was coming. So they were in one accord. If they were talking about anything, they were talking about the promise. Us as a church would do well to understand, right? When we come here to be looking for God, and our entire intent should be to see move. Amen? Amen? See move. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you are young enough now, or maybe old enough, and haven't served the Lord a long time, that you've never experienced a great supernatural move of God in a church service. Don't raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But i got to believe there's a 
whole lot of folks that have never seen a supernatural outpouring of God in a church service. I have many times, and a lot of you have too. But it requires us to focus on the promise. Amen? The Bible says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. It filled the house. There was a sound as if it, as if it were a great mighty rushing wind. It was the sound that they heard. As the Holy Ghost was ushered in, the promise of God was ushered in the room. And the Bible says it filled the entire house. Not just the people. The entire house was filled with the presence of God. Just that fast. And see, that's how it works with God. See, we sometimes, we want God to just take it real slow and just ease us into something, right? But God gives. When He gives, He gives wholeheartedly. Amen? And it's all of a sudden, right? And it hit the whole room. And it engulfed the whole room. And then it began to sit upon these folks in the upper room. It filled the whole house, it said, where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of like a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance, as the Spirit gave the utterance. So the Spirit came because they were obedient to Christ, and they received the promise, okay, of his, of this, this, this promise that he asked his Father for. The Holy Ghost is a promise to us, Sister Lynn. That God has made to everyone that believes in Him and has accepted salvation through the redemption of Christ's blood. It is a promise to all of us. The church is a powerful church in people, all of us that are saved. But the next level is that outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our lives. That's where, that's where the transformation of the church changes. That's where things change. That's where pettiness changes. Amen? Amen? That's where all that stuff that doesn't matter in a church service changes. Amen. That's where all the things change. When you have the power of the Holy Ghost and you've got a group of people who are plugged into God like that, man, look out. The possibilities are endless. <coughs> like I said, you saw that with the children of Israel, the children of God here, these apostles, these 120. And they began to go around. All of a sudden now, they spoke with boldness to people. They began to tell people about Christ. They would pray for people that they were saved. They would pray for people that received this promise of the Holy Ghost. People, things were happening. People were being healed. People were being raised from death. The same thing they saw with Christ with them, they are now experiencing themselves as well. Because the Holy Ghost had been given to them, and they were going about doing the work of the Father. The churches of today are remaining powerless. And they're powerless because we refuse to plug into the power. I would say to you today, if you get nothing else out of this message, understand that there's more to God. Believe in God. Get saved. But don't stop there. Seek God for everything He has. Seek God for that baptism of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, preacher, how do you do that? The same way you sought Him for salvation. It's no different. You just seek Him for what He's going to give you anyway. See, sometimes people say it's hard to receive the Holy Ghost. It's not. It's just receiving. It. It's just believing and receiving. You've already done the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. 
If you've accepted Christ, if you've accepted salvation through Christ, that's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your lifetime. You believe in something you've never seen before, and you accepted Him and His Son, and you've received salvation. People say, I wish I had great faith. It don't get no greater than that. It don't get no greater. Jesus said that, right? He told Thomas, he said, Thomas, this is awesome that you believe in me, but you believe because you see me and you touch me. And what did Jesus say? Greater, greater is the faith of those that are going to come after you, Thomas, because they're going to believe in me and have never what? Seen me. So you've already done the greatest thing you'll ever do if you accept him as your Savior. That's it. That's the greatest faith you'll ever have. Accepting the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost is, is simple. Lord, you said, and I won't. Amen? You said, and I won't. But now, he's going he's to make sure the tabernacle's clean. He's going to make sure the temple's clean. When you're praying and seeking the Holy Ghost, if something pops up and he says, hey, you need to deal with that, you need to go deal with it. Get that out of the way, and then you're in a position to, be, to receive this beautiful gift. Amen? He's not going to place it in a tainted temple, as we talked about last week. It will be in a clean tabernacle, a clean temple, this tabernacle. Right? Guys, look. We are going to have to, we've got to plug into Jesus in order to see this last day's church out for it. It's got to happen. See, we've limped along long enough on last year's blessings. The church has been guilty. We've had crutches. I need to bring some crutches in here today. But we've been walking on crutches for years. Right? And our crutch has always been that we have seen and experienced yonder. And so that's what keeps us motivated is past blessings. But what really should motivate us is the promise. Amen. The promise that was given to us, not just them in the New Testament here in the upper room. That's right. Let me give you some motivation. I didn't give this to you guys up there. But I'm going to read it to you guys. I'll give it to you guys. I might be able to pull it up. <clears throat> Bear with me. So pray for that fat preacher and get there. Let's go to Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. Haggai, depending on where you're from. Get my Bible word right here, y'all. Haggai 2 9. Say, get my Bible right going around. Haggai 2 9. Y'all get there before me. Say amen. Amen. Pray God put that there for me. <laughs> get old, can't you see? I got it anyway. I'm going to read a little bit further back. In verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more it is a little while, and I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the, to, to come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill the temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. In verse 9, the glory, of, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. The promise for you and I in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament is greater. He is going to give us greater than the former church. We're going to see greater. I promise you. 
All the things that we've read about, all those things that you and I talk about, all the things that are our crutches today, do not compare to the outpouring that's coming on this latter church. That latter rain, the latter outpouring that's going to happen before Christ returns is going to be awesome because he said we'll see greater things. I don't know what those greater things are. You've heard me say it many times, but I promise you it's greater than what we've heard about and than what we've seen. Greater. In order for us to get to greater, right, there's greater persecution, yes. There's greater persecution the church has to go through. Henceforth, we need greater power. Amen? To be able to stand in the evil day that the book of Ephesians says to us, we have to be endued with power. Amen? To be able to stand in that last day. And when Jesus said there, when we've done all we know to do, to stand. How do you do that? In Him. In His fullness. In His glory. Right? Standing firm in Christ. All powerful. Not all weak. Not all wimpy. Not all fearful. Not all scared. The church of today is scared to death. We're scared to move. We're scared to say anything. Right? We're scared, we're scared to allow the Spirit of God to move in our lives. We're scared of what somebody's going to say or what somebody's going to think. Great fear has come upon the church of today. Amen? Amen, Mark. Me and the Lord says it is. <laughs> Great fear has fell upon the church. We're all fearful. We go. Why do we go? We come to the house of God to worship. We, we believe in God. We do all the things He tells us to do, but why? If we don't believe what He said in His Word. Amen? Did you know that you and I are the most powerful force on the face of the earth? I've said it many times. The church is the most powerful force. The most powerful government on the face of the earth. Not any government, not our country. The Lord knows it ain't our country anymore. It's not some other country. The most powerful force on this earth is God's church. God's church has the power with one breath to speak something to our Father. And Jesus said it'll happen. It'll happen, Sister Lynn. You and I possess the power to say, God, I want that kingdom to fall. And if it's His will, it'll fall. Amen? You and I possess the power to command the enemy to leave, and he has to leave according to the book of James. We have that power. But we're withholding it. Amen? We're withholding it. Some of us have not received it. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that power. Amen? Amen. Our worship team will be playing, and yeah, they'll be worshiping. And don't you let that stop. That's the time for you to come and seek God. If you're here today, and this promise is the first time you've heard of it, or maybe it's the second time you've heard of it in your life, it's here for you to receive. You just got to receive. You just got to go get it. If you leave here today and you don't, and you don't receive it today, keep seeking it. I promise you, He'll give it to you if you get sincere. It's a true promise. I can tell you for surety that as a young man. I didn't have any idea of these things. I would go to church off and on as a young man. I went to all kinds of churches. I went to all of them. I've been in Methodist churches, Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches. I've been in Pentecostal churches. I've been in, I've been in fire baptized churches. I've been in free will Baptist churches. I've been in them all. Or a lot of them. So I've learned a lot about God, but I had no idea about some of these things that we're talking about here today. Had no idea. And so I can remember one of the first times that I, you know, I really felt conviction about asking the Lord to forgive me. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I remember being saved. I can remember then hearing about this sanctification, this cleansing, right, of our, of our, of our spirit, right, in these things that were in our lives, out of our lives, things that would be holding me back 
tendencies that I might have, right? These things that I've got, everything's under the blood, but I've got this Adamic nature in me, right, that wants to do wrong. And God would just reveal stuff to me all the time. And he said, Mark, you've got to get that under the blood, right? You need to get away from that stuff. Don't do this anymore, right? That sanctification process, I'd heard about it. And so I began to seek that. I began to say, Lord, I want you to clean this tabernacle. I want you to get everything that's in me out. Reveal it to me that I can get things right. And God began to reveal those things. And then I had to go get them right. And I remember this time in my life where I just, I felt, I felt, I felt like, you know, God was, had dealt well with me and there was a lot he showed me. And, I, and somebody told me, said, Mark, have you, since you've been saved, have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And I looked at him like he had six heads. I said, what? I've been baptized. They said, no, 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 no. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not in water, but in fire. Power of the Holy Ghost. I said, no, I don't even know what that is. And then they begin to tell me what I told you today. And I began to seek that earnestly, Brother Ron, with all of my heart. I sought it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Weeks and weeks and weeks. And all of a sudden, just like he says here in Acts, all of a sudden, it just happened. For me, I've told some of y'all, it's in the parking lot at the Church of God of Prophecy on 27th Slew Avenue. I was not in a church service. I was in a church parking lot. How I got there, I don't know why I was there. I still can't tell you this day while I was there, but I pulled over in the parking lot. And I remember just saying, I mean, I could feel God's presence so strong and all I needed to do was to pray, Brother Joey. That's all I could do. I just started praying. I mean, I was just praying. And I said, Lord, I have been seeking this. I mean, I was so destitute about it. I said, I've been seeking this and I ain't received it and I just was talking to him like I'm talking to you. And the next thing I know, bang, it was like, I can't explain it to you because there's not an explanation. It was just powerful. I mean, it was almost like I couldn't sit in the seat. You know what I'm talking about? It's almost like somebody hooked me up to 220 and I was just being electrocuted, right? It was just boom, you know, and, 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 and I began to, I don't know what was going on, right? It was, I was just speaking and I, didn't, I could hear myself, but I had no idea what I was saying. I thought something's wrong with my, something's wrong with me. I've had a stroke. You know, you don't know what's going on. You're just in the spirit of God, man. I could feel just these goosebumps on top of goosebumps, and, and I couldn't make myself stop. It was just going. And I don't know how long I was there, but I just know that when, when it finally stopped, when the Holy Ghost, just, he was just all over me, but my mouth stopped moving, I put it in drive. And I drove to the First Baptist Church and where it showed. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, some told me, just go. And I went, and I just pulled in the First Baptist Church. And y'all heard me say this before, and you can talk to Jean Jameson, she'll tell you about it. Jean Crawford. I pulled in, she was there. I don't know why Jean was there, but I unloaded on Jean. I know Jean, I work with Jean. I pulled up, man, I got out of the car, and I know she had to take two steps back because I was just pumped. And I looked at her, I said, Jean, you ain't gonna believe what just happened to me. And she was like, what? scared to death. And I told her, I said, I just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if she knows what that is or not. But she looked at me, she said, that's great. <laughs> she did. She said, that's great. She was kind of at a distance. You know what I'm talking about? She said, because I don't want to hug her. I just want to grab somebody, you know? I don't care if I hug her or not, you have to ask her. But I was just telling her about it, and I was just saying, I don't even know what happened, and I was telling her, she was looking at me, and bless her heart, she was just, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And man, all I know, 
know is it hit me, and I just thought, Lord, have mercy, right? And from there, God took me in a whole other direction, whole other direction, right? Then it, it, it was just a calling into the ministry, and man, the rest is history. What God does from that time and going forward in my life. Now, I'm just telling you about Mark and what I've experienced and what I've seen and all the things that God has done, right? It's amazing. But it is an absolute blessing, amen, to have that gift given and to empower your life to overcome any obstacle that comes your way. A lot of the sickness that the church is facing are powerless, right? A lot of the things that we're seeing today, the church has become powerless. Did you know that this church, the church, the church of not just Gethsemane, the church of this age that we're in, right? This, this, this uh, grace dispensation age. The church is where people should be able to come, right, and, and, and receive the blessings of God. Through the church, healing should happen, right? Clarity of mind should happen. People's marriages restored. Uh, financial burdens eased, right? Demon-possessed people set free. All those things that the Bible mentions, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, that's what the church is here for. But we got to have power to do that. Amen? And that's in Christ, in God, through the gift of the promise. Amen? Now that you're all totally confused, we're going to pray. Amen? There's a lot to this. I'm just kind of touching the surface for you. Just know that it was a promise given by God and it's free for all who are saved and are in a position to, to receive it. Amen? In a position to receive it. I want you to bow your head with me this morning. And we're going to give, we're going to give way to God here today. True. We're going to, we're going to give way to Him. And if you're here today and you want to seek that, these altars are open. We'll pray for you. Let me just say to you today, don't get discouraged if you don't receive that today. Do as I did. I had to pray about it for several weeks because there were things in my life that God didn't reveal to me. Okay. Little did I know that at the time, but He began to reveal weaknesses in my life that might cause me to stumble and fall. And I needed to get out of one of those under the blood of Christ. But keep seeking until you find it. And He said, if you seek me, you will find me, Jesus said, including that promise. Amen? Including the promise. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you today. And we're going to open these altars. If you say that you want this gift, we want you to receive it. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you. In a little opposition from the enemy, no doubt. Because it's this power that keeps him at bay. It's this power that renders him powerless. God, 